Welcome to Podcast IRC, conversations with Indigenous scholars to advance understandings and gain new knowledge, hosted by the Indigenous Research Center at Salish Kootenai College. Okay, so that was a scout song, and um, apparently, you know, you know, in the in the olden times, there there was a scout sent out every day. Now I don't know if this was true, like uh, when our uh, ancestors or what have you were in their winter camps or their more permanent camps, but apparently this was a pretty well established um, routine of sending scouts out. And the scouts returning and reporting their news. And uh, the important part of, I think, this song is it's a testament to how important songs were in daily life. So if this was a daily routine, this um, this procedure would have followed every time a scout came back. So the scout would come back, you know, people would see him and he'd be zigzagging his horse, loping his horse back into camp. And um, so... A, a group of men would start singing this this song, this siniest, and it's called the scout song. And they'd start parading out toward some predetermined spot. And this this spot was predetermined by an individual who had a, had a gift of some sort that was associated with that song or with this this way of uh, of telling this news. And um, the, the the person in charge would would throw a blanket down and indicating to the scout that that's where he was to stop and they'd all be singing this scout song and as this this um, this way proceeded a number of people from the camp the remaining people or whoever was around would also join in and they'd be singing this song while the scout was coming in and he'd be making particular sounds that would indicate what he had seen so even just the communication of these sounds, people kind of already got gained an idea of what was seen or what was uh, what the news was. So when the scout gets to the blanket, the leader of this this uh, this scouting way would come up and hit the guy with a stick, and then he'd tell his his news, and then they'd report the news of uh, what they had seen. And um, I guess the important part of of this song and, and of the, this whole procedure was, you know, it was, it was a whole camp affair and everybody would, would join in on the singing of this song. And it, uh, I think it marks an important piece in the research puzzle, this emerging research puzzle of, um, of what, what purpose do songs play? And more importantly, what is, what is our method of, um, 
what's our future method or mode of communicating important news, particularly to our tribal people, but also to our um, indigenous academic community. So that's the that's the question that I'm posing with this song is what what what's in store for us? What do we have? You've guys all been part of uh, communicating things that you've learned at both academically and both in a, in your tribal communities. So what do you do then to kind of emulate a traditional or tribal way of communicating that knowledge? Go, anybody, go, hit it. Don't be shy. You got it. Can you guys hear me? I guess. <laughs> This, I'm just this, this it. happens every time. <laughs> yeah. I know. We always are shy for yeah. the first like minute. Everyone's like, I don't know who's gonna do it. We should just draw straws before we go on our podcast. All right. Like, All right. You, wait, wait a second. Are you oh. passing the no, wait. stick? Oh, stop! I'm it. gonna pass the uh, <laughs> virtual po- talking stick. <laughs> Aaron has one for us. Wait, I'll volunteer. <laughs> okay, Sarah's gonna volunteer. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay. volunteer. <laughs> Well, and I think why it's always so hard to chime in on this first point is uh, you bring so much knowledge on these these songs, and it's it's um, it takes a moment to take it in because right. at least for me personally, like a lot of the information that you share during our intros is is new to me, right. so it, it's hard to kind of jump right in on it. But to get to the communication piece, um, well, and I'll just say thank you, Shandine, for always sharing and starting us off on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. But this communication piece, especially that story you're saying, it's it's much more of an in-person uh, dialogue where it's in the moment, it's present, it's really relevant. Um, and in so much of the ways that we communicate in academia today is through peer-reviewed publications. And it's um, on paper yeah. and it's, you know, you can pull it up and it's for the masses. You don't have to be there present. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they're just two totally different modes of, of communication. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, even with this, uh, with the pandemic, we've, we've kind of seen a little bit of shift in that, that norm, because I, I've attended at least three uh, dissertation defenses that I otherwise would not have been able to attend. So just being able to, you know, widen that community or broaden that community of, of listeners has been, uh, I think, something that's been kind of important. Congrats, by but, the um, way, Selena. Let's thank you. <laughs> yeah again yeah speaking of yes. dissertation defenses we got a, go. a dissertation defender <laughs> should get yeah. a shield for that yeah. like a whole shield, like a Wonder Woman shield. <laughs> you defended that she defended it yeah yeah it's always a funny thing when i whenever i heard that word you know oh you gotta defend your dissertation like okay i thought i pictured building a little fort you know and yeah, my little pile of papers back there, and I got like a, like a, <laughs> yeah, 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 I got like a rifle waiting for somebody to come. I'm going to defend this dissertation I did. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe um, Selena can let us know um, some of her experiences, and um, in, I mean particularly because you, your your dissertation was was data from your community, and. I guess if we situated this idea of this scout song back into today's time, how would that, how would you in a traditional way inform your community of these Mm -hmm. things that you found out? Well, I think in a traditional way, I would have probably 
my dad or um, somebody who had the right to speak in public share the information that I found. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I guess I would, that, in a traditional sense, that's the way I would do it. It's, it's funny because we think about, it is funny to think about because when you, the way we do it now and the way we would do it at home is so different. And even being in this pandemic and yeah. being, you know, having to stay away from our mm-hmm. families and all of that, I, I was thinking about after defending, like, I was just pretty, I was, I felt very um, fortunate for people to, to, a lot of my friends were like posting, you know, Selena defended this. I'm pr- we're proud of her. And that felt good because in a, in a, um, if we were in all together in a physical space, it would have been other people who were celebrating me. It wouldn't have been appropriate for me to be like, oh, look what I just did or, you know. And so I think right. it's interesting though. Yeah, because yeah. It, yeah. There's, I don't know. Now, now I'm just rambling. No, you're right. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, good. It's all good. Yeah, let me stop there. So in in a way... Yeah, in a way, so it kind of expanded your your what would I call the availability of witnesses to see, and then for them to report what you did, rather than having a really small, mm-hmm. tight knit people in a room, you know, mostly your committee mm-hmm. and whoever could show up. Yeah, so it it really broadened that, and I think that's a really important part of this um, this indigenous way of uh, of doing research in a in a modern time is that. We allow witnesses to see what we're doing so that we don't risk this really taboo thing of, of, uh, of bragging about ourselves so that mm-hmm. somebody else can yep. do it for us. I think that's what yep. you were it saying. Is. is that It is. Because right? I think in academia, yeah. there, there's so much of that self-promotion that's required. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. taught yeah. the opposite. The opposite. Or, you know, at least yeah. as a Abzalagat person, I'm taught <laughs> the opposite. And so to... Yeah, and then but then to do something, accomplish something so personally huge, and not really be able to talk about it is that's kind of hard too. But then that's where your friends and family come in, like they can celebrate you, and and then it still feels okay. It doesn't feel like bragging or you know promoting. Yeah, your right, your accomplishment, your own accomplishments. Right. So would you say then that that this idea of um, having a virtual defense or even a, a opening up a, a, a academic defense to a larger virtual audience would be a would be in alignment with a more of a traditional way of uh, disseminating I information? So. I think knowing that I was going to present this, that I was inviting people who weren't from the academic, um, weren't connected to me academically, but were connected to me personally was part of the accountability of what I was about to present. Cause I knew that people like yourself and Aaron and Marty and, you know, my mom and my sisters were going to be listening to me and my husband and my children. And if I, I couldn't just say whatever, where if I was in, you know, the closed conference room door, I could say whatever. And I wouldn't, you know, not that I would, but I could, and yeah. um, there'd be no accountability yeah, there yeah. Um, to, a, to a, a certain yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's it reminds me of this story of this. I I grew up with them. I grew up with a couple people. Kind of, they were kind of considered like my brother and sister, you know. And um, this, this sister of mine, she had a a father who lived in the East Coast, you know. 
and occasionally she would go visit them. And she said on one of her visits, you know, it was just a bunch of non-Indians and they were curious about her, you know, where she lived. And they said, well, do you know, do you know your, do you know your language? And she was too embarrassed to say that she didn't. So then she said, oh yeah, yeah, I do. And said, oh, show us. And so she started <laughs> She said, oh, she was just saying numbers over and over. Yeah, she was just counting over and over and over. (laughs) So if you're not familiar with Salish, you would think that I was rambling on about something. But I'm just going up to 10 and then down to one, up to 10, just saying the numbers over and over. So that having that accountability, right, of somebody in there who knows Mm -hmm. what you're what you studied, who knows, you know, the, the, it, and I think we talked about this in, in one episode or, or somewhere where we talked about having committee members that don't know the content that mm-hmm. we're studying and not having that guidance, but then also not having that accountability for them to say, no, that's, that's wrong or no, you yep. shouldn't do it yep. that way. I think, I mean, I, I really consider yeah. myself fortunate because I did have Dr. Janine Pease on my committee and that was, I did, well, I right. didn't realize, I knew it was important to have a Crow person on my committee, but I didn't realize how important it was until I got to my findings and wrote about them. And, yeah. you know, my mm-hmm. dissertation chair um, was really, really helpful, very supportive, um, really willing to learn the Indigenous research methodology with me. But when it came to some of those um, finer um things that were just really connected to being a crow person janine was able to help pull that stuff out and help me write about it like there were there are parts about relationship and um advice giving and advice advice seeking in the crow culture and i knew the importance of that but i didn't even write about it and so when i hinted to it dr pease was like you know you really need to talk about how what how the importance of this relates to what you did and so there were things like that that I just I really I'm really grateful to not only this group but being able to have some of those conversations with Shandine way back in the beginning um but to the people on my committee the indigenous people on my committee because I think they held me to a, a level of accountability that I really wouldn't have had if it was all non-native people on my on my committee yeah I hear you. Anybody else relate an experience in this uh, for this question we have before us? Kamii, Marty, Aaron, what you got? Can you hear me? <laughs> Marty's saying yeah. nothing. Well, Marty, you're, you're you, did you do a master's, Marty? Did you complete a master's? Yes. Or did you go straight PhD? Oh yeah, I, you did I do a master's. Defended a thesis. Yeah. So what was that process like and what was your general content area? Um, well, I f- focused on um, looking at tribal sovereignty through uh, more of a creative lens than um, like a legal a legal standpoint. And I use visual anthropology as the way to do it and how Native people um, creating films um, demonstrate sovereignty. But um, more related to what Selena was talking about was when I gave a speech, not a speech, but me and Aaron went down to LBHC and presented a, um, a project we were working on. And that being in Crow, 
and talking about Crow culture and uh, Crow historical events, that was like the most uh, nerve wracking experience for me. And I had been, <laughs> I had been giving, um, you know, presentations to classes throughout my academic yeah. career and then teaching also, but being uh, talking about Crow things in front of Crow people who potentially could know more than me. Uh, like Selena was saying, it's kind of gives you more of an accountability to to be honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't know. And so do, being there was one of the hardest uh, presentations I've ever had to do just because of that fact. And it's funny, though, because yeah. I was so nervous about that. I have a, another thing related to what Selena said about um, Janine Pease, and she happens to be my auntie. So afterwards she was kind of <laughs> like giving advice to selena she was kind of getting after me saying marty you should have told these students here you graduated from lbhc you you went through this uh, process like they're doing they people need to hear that and and i i realized that i kind of skipped over some of the more basic introductory stuff because i was so nervous to to uh not make myself seem like a fool in front of you know, my people. <laughs> and it was being yeah. um, broadcast live on Facebook, much like this, oh, what we're gosh. talking about with <laughs> the technology. Yeah. So, oh, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more people listening to both me and Aaron. And uh, it was, uh, right. it's a hard thing to do <laughs> it, compared to just talking to strictly <laughs> academic people. Yeah, you can get away with a lot. You can get away with a lot. You can tell a lot of stories <laughs> to just academics. And they eat it up, man. You just, you're the big Indian in the room. <laughs> you're the big Indian in the room. You can just make things up. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, okay. So that's similar to what um, Selena was saying, you know, having having her family in, in this virtual uh, space, open to a wider audience. Really, that idea of the peer as a witness to hold you accountable is tops, it seems like. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Good recap. Good recap. Nice. <laughs> what about Aaron? So you were you were <laughs> part of this. You've defended a master's. What what is your experience? Is it similar, dissimilar? What you got? <clears throat> well, I would say it sounds like Selena had a real positive experience. I think for the most part, that helps a lot. I would think, right? Yep. Would you say? Yep. Kind of encouraging, and like you don't lose motivation when you have people who are there. So your confidence level is probably quite a bit different. Yeah. Yes. Me, I think with me, I wouldn't say I had a bad experience, but it was kind of a cumbersome. Because uh, um, hmm. on paper, I'm on paper. I'm an archaeologist. That's what I am. But my thesis was mainly ethnography, so I think that was kind of freaking people out because uh, the, the the discipline of anthropology, although it's presented as being kind of this general study of humans, it's still very like uh, categorized. Like, oh, are you a linguistics guy? Are you a forensics guy? Or, where my thesis was more ethnography and cultural resource management kind of 
And so I think that kind of was uh, not handled real well. So my defense in a lot of ways to me was, was a, like an actual defense. Like I was actually defending my work for the, for most of the process. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the actual defense mm. part was more of a ceremony. Like it was by that point, they were going to push me through anyway. But, um, <clears throat> the weeks leading up to that with the editing and the, and, and sending chapters and getting pages back and things like that, that got kind of weird. And, um, and when you're a young scholar, it's real easy to get kind of, um, offended by things. You know, looking looking back, yeah. I probably wouldn't be offended now. I would just kind of it would just be whatever. Uh, but back then, I mean, you're uh -huh. it's presented to you like this is these are the gatekeepers that are, you know, this is how you're gonna get this. You got to go through them. When really, it's like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know, <laughs> like uh, I'm just gonna do my thing. And <laughs> so, but I will say, I agree with Marty. For me. The presentation in Crow was astronomically more nerve-wracking than my defense ever was. Hmm. I never, I don't have a problem, yeah. kind of fighting, I guess, for what I believe in and how I want to present my work. But it was nerve-wracking when me and Marty were standing in front of what the time was said to be the largest uh, cultural talk at the college they've ever had. So. Tim, yeah, Tim Bernardis mm. was like, this is the most we've ever had here. And it's like, well, don't say that to us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right before yeah. you go yeah. on. And these guys are judgmental. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> really <there> judgmental. <laughs> we had like relatives, we had elders there, we had like young people. And so it was like, and people yeah, you people owed, owed money, money to. to from back in the day. And <laughs> yeah. So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Fortunately, I, I, I wasn't I wasn't in the Sweet. education crowd then, so my ex-girlfriends didn't show up. No, no, I'm just, uh. no I'm just But they were watching you on Facebook, so Yeah, and just they they kept typing yeah, yeah. in the comments and then deleting, deleting, and typing the comments and deleting, and deleting and it was capital <laughs> But as far as as far as how we disseminate our information. Crows like many tribes believe that once it's done in public, the public is how things are authorized. So they say, announce it. Once right. it's announced, that's then that's it. For me, when my thesis or uh, defense didn't feel that way, it didn't feel official. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I printed out a, a few copies of my thesis, you know, and I would give them. I gave them to people that helped me with it. That was, I was nervous about yeah. that, you know, but for the most part, everyone, mm -hmm. was, well, everyone was real positive about it, but doing that talk with Marty and presenting our work, because this entire project has been me and Marty and Kelly, Kelly Dixon's involved in it. But for the most part, it was a, it was a idea born out of us. And like the, the film is all Marty. And so he's like all, so that to me, that was like nervous. I was so nervous. But then part of me was like, well, we kind of have to do this. This is a, a part of indigenous research as we present it to the public. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes back to us, yeah. that's what comes back to us and we'll deal with it. But um, 
Yeah, it almost yeah, doesn't feel yeah. complete until you you do that, right? That final step. It's like then it's left hanging, and mm-hmm. then it's just that responsibility. Yeah, and, and, and part of it is you take whatever criticism you get, but it's also the belief that that criticism isn't dogma, right? So it's not like it's not concrete criticism is just like anything in in the old days when people would tell stories in crow they would have these stories telling sessions and somebody would tell the story of like say a, a battle and and then somebody else would say um your version was good but this is how i heard it and then they would tell their version mm. and there was no like no mm-hmm. one took that as like oh he's saying i'm a liar you know and now we have we kind of right. have that like oh he's attacking me and where back then it yeah. was like commonplace to have the same story told three, four or five different times in a night, but it's all by different people telling their version of the, of the story. And so to me, hmm. I, I kind of accepted that. And I was like, well, me and Marty are telling our version of this. Where at least I am, I can't speak for Marty, but I'm open to whoever has criticisms and whoever wants to tell their version but I don't believe in like empty criticism. Like don't, don't just criticize our work because you didn't do it, you know? And academics yeah. are kind of bad for yeah, that. Yeah. Like uh, if, if you did a project before that person did it, instead of saying, man, I've had that idea for a long time. I'm glad you did it. I just never move forward on it. They would, they would say like, well, I've been working on this proposal for years and they went and did it. And it's, there's kind of a, a tone to things like that. And so learning yeah. to kind of deal with those mm-hmm. critiques and criticisms and on both sides, yeah. non-Indian and, <laughs> and, and tribal perspectives. It's like that, that was for me, but that's also part of like the authorization of the work we do has to go to the public. It's not secret. It doesn't go on a shelf hidden somewhere. It has to be there. Right. So, yeah and and it may sound like we had some major criticism after our presentation from what aaron's saying (laughs) but we actually had a pretty good response and it was surprising to me how many people came up and just kind of you know basically they just showed us respect for just doing something doing some kind of work with crow culture or wanting to talk about it or share it so on that and being me and Aaron both are saying like it was nerve wracking and we were that's the most nervous we've been for this kind of presentation and we've done this same presentation (laughs) a few times before the same one and uh so we had all those kind of ideas in our head so it was kind of surprising when people were coming up and they weren't just our relatives uh, coming up and you know telling us good job and they (laughs) they just were encouraging to keep it up and and i get that kind of um people say this a lot and i've said it how i'm trying to learn a language like the crow language for me uh, you're kind of nervous. And then sometimes if you do make a mistake, uh, people might laugh, you know, but we laugh a lot anyway. But, you know, that's one of the fears mm-hmm. is you'll kind of be ridiculed for saying something wrong. Uh, but I think this might be a good example to just kind of take those steps and learn a language. And who cares if someone laughs more than more often than not, I bet people will be encouraging and not criticize you. So I think that's kind of a good example of just to mm-hmm. kind of 
in academics or otherwise just take that step towards what you want to do and uh, good things will happen mm-hmm. yeah oh go ahead go ahead do you oh Oh, I was just going to say I the fear of being ridiculed or like teased I think is not as bad as like the fear of letting your community down. Mm. And maybe that's like where some of that added pressure really starts to escalate. Yeah. At least that's how I feel. I mean, yeah. I know I can get teased nonstop about whatever. <laughs> Should we start? Moment, but like to feel that like, <laughs> I like. Yeah. yeah, and I think some yeah. native scholars are native professionals. They have that pressure of I'm going to let my let my people down. So then the attempt never happens. They don't even they they won't they'll avoid they'll avoid totally those things that maybe require like native people to be a part of it. So they'll they'll be they'll go into professions that don't require that where that notion's not going to be brought up you know so mm-hmm. i yeah yeah it's it's weird like uh i think native scholars have different kinds of pressures like i think all researchers they get kind of they overdo it on certain types of things and so there's stress about research but i think native scholars deal a lot with like um kind of like a guilt like why who am I to do this sometimes? Like you kind of go through a stage in your research where you're like, am I even the right person to do this? And there's like fear. There's like a fear that's trained in us to be like, we shouldn't mm-hmm. be talking about things like this. Or, And I, I went through a stage where mm-hmm. I was like, we shouldn't talk about this. We shouldn't talk about this. I don't have the right to talk about it, but I'm kind of getting mm. past that partly because my confidence is growing in research, but also like the cultural backing. There's people that are, that I've, I've grown confident in. They culturally back me. So there's, they, they, and like Selena said, men have to have the right to speak in public in, in Crow. And I was given that. So that actually helped me, like gave me a lot of confidence. So when they give me the mm. right to speak in public, it's like a thing, like this was at a Sundance and they do it in public and, in front of a bunch of people and they announce who I am, what I've done. And then they say from now on, he's part of what they call here, which is like people who speak in public. Right. And so for me, that kind of gave me like confidence, even in every work I do cult- anything related to culture, because now I'm saying someone stood up in front of everybody and vouched for me, you know? And so that did a lot for me, you know, that's important. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, And it kind of plays into, I guess, a need that we might see that's lacking in this whole academic research process. And if we could rewrite the books on it or rewrite the the procedures that the idea of of your peers being a, uh, a part of your dissemination would be pretty important. Um, but I'm curious, um, Sarah, you defended a dissertation. Mm-hmm. What was your experience? Were yeah. you near your, your homelands or were you near a native community in which you had to answer toward? Or what was your experience? No. no, I think mine was very different from the examples we've shared so far. So I did have one uh, native person on my committee, but she was at a different university. So she wasn't local and kind of involved on that local scale with my project. And the work that I did was pretty heavy into remote sensing and forestry and um, 
like stand dynamics, like nitty gritty on that side. So um, the little bit of culture that I did include, um, I heavily relied on that uh, one native committee member, even though she wasn't, she was at a different university. And um, as far as the crowd that I presented to, I think the only other native person in the room was my mother. And other Hmm, than that, it was Mm -hmm. a completely non-native community. So, uh, but I did take the research though and present, uh, you know, to folks there at Mescalero who I primarily worked with on my dissertation and by far kind of similar to what folks are saying here, that was the most nerve wracking (laughs) and it is a sensitive subject. So, um, yeah, I guess my, my situation was a, a little different, but I did feel like I had to defend it, but more on that, not so much the cultural stuff, but more the, the actual forestry components. Yeah. And that's, that is nerve-wracking. I mean, you really have to put yourself out there and you really got to know your stuff and be prepared to answer as many questions as they want to throw out yeah. at you. And um, Yeah. Yeah, just be prepared for them to shoot holes in your project and be prepared for... That seems know. to be the norm in, in STEM. I don't know why, but really harsh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> really get on you. And yeah. they want you to cite authors off the top of your head and... Uh, you know, write formulas mm-hmm. that you had in high school and memorize how to. Well, it's <laughs> weird too. Oh, like in, in, in science in the field, in all fields of science, there's this, like, I don't know if it's like a competitive need to like outsight each other. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, all right. Okay. You read all that. And- I know. <laughs> Your, your your whole your whole introduction is you didn't you don't say nothing you just cite what everybody oh, else said. It's and then it's like it's not sad. It is like, sad. Um, it is. Yeah. Well, it's pointless. It's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in in a way, I mean, it serves it serves some function where it <laughs> it's it shows that you've read the so literature that's I, out I, there. I got a question, but I got a question I for you all. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> the doctors are fighting back. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's a very <laughs> necessary thing. Uh, citation. Yeah. Yeah. Drank yeah, yeah. the Kool-Aid. Drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Selena's like, don't tell me this. Okay, now, go. Dude, What's your I question? I just went through all this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, okay, go. Question. My question is, is, as a big part of doing research, especially in the thesis and dissertation uh, realm, not necessarily in publication, but like in, in articles, but the literary review, right? The literature review. Now, okay, yes. is that a a necessity in in research that's heavy in oral histories, like in in interviewing people? Mm. Like, for example, mine. Mine was really carried by four or five different people that I was interviewing and there's not much of a literature review and there's not much, but that seems to be a big component. I'd say yes. Yeah. I'd say yes, but I don't think the length of it is necessarily a, an issue. I think if you've shown that you've looked at uh, and, and dug up what other people have done related to your topic it doesn't have to be hundreds of pages. It just has to show that you've mm-hmm. captured what's out there in the literature. It just happens to be that 
some disciplines have more uh, published documents than others. Yeah, that's the heart of it. Yep. I have another but wait, question. Wait, wait, now, okay. Well, I was going to ask oh, Kamiya a no, question, but no, go ahead. Go Let's ahead. hear what you got. No, no, I want to hear what you, no. You had the eagle stick, the stick with the eagle head I'm on talking. it. <laughs> so you, yeah, you go, and then I'll, because my, mine's going to transition us into something mine's else. Mine's so more go. about citation. Get, it. Get on it. So Let's hear it. Like, for example, th- this happened in my in my in some work I've done <laughs> over the years, and I'm hell-bent on making this work, but nobody, I can't seem to get people to, to jump on board. Uh, I'll use this book. Uh, there's Tom Yellowtail's book about the Crow Sundance. I'll use that as an example. It's written and edited by uh, Oren Fitzgerald, right? It's a great book. But all the content is all from interviews done with an older man named Tom Yellowtail who ran cer- uh, different ceremonies, mainly Sundance stuff in Crow. So what I started doing whenever mm-hmm. I would come across – because really what I'm doing is citing information that Tom Yellowtail is giving the reader, not what Orrin yeah. Fitzgerald is giving the reader. And he's a cool guy. I, I'm not, not dogging him. So what I do, and nobody, this ain't a, no one likes it, but I do it, is when I cite him and I put the excerpt or something in the document, I, I put mm-hmm. Yellowtail slash Fitzgerald. And then the year of the publication, right? And and the page number of the year yeah. of the publication. Now, there's no citation style that yeah. I'm aware of that ask you to put in the the person being interviewed in the publication. You just put the author of the publication. What do you yeah. guys think of that? That seems I, pretty important. I think that's some pretty. I did that. Go ahead, with, um, go ahead, Selena. The Plenty, Chief Plenty Coup book. I put coup c o u p s. Yeah, coops. Coops. And then dot. And I, I read it somewhere though. I didn't like make it up on my own. I saw. I so you seen exam- this somewhere? Yeah, I saw the example somewhere. I didn't use a slash. I just put, coo comma um what's Linderman, comma twenty whatever nineteen whatever. I don't even remember. I should remember, but I don't. Twenty eight. Twenty two thousand eight. No twenty eight. Nineteen twenty eight. Oh, nineteen twenty eight. No, was it? Okay, yeah. When, you... Linder, when Linderman wrote the book? <laughs> yeah, it was like 1928. Sorry. I, we'll I, look yeah. it up later. I wrote it one billion times. You think I'd remember? <laughs> it might have been like, I know Pretty Shield was like 33 or it's okay. 31, all something like that. Anyways, my point was, but you didn't make so it you read it. thought somewhere. Yeah. So if anyone listening to this podcast knows where we can find that. Let me know. Cause I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't. And I know yeah. it's kind of frowned on cause they're like, well, it's Fitzgerald's manuscript. And it's like, well, I mean, it's not though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like saying an elder once told me. Yeah. It, it's, it's exactly like, you don't yeah. know who that person is. You don't know what, 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 well, yeah. What, who, who, where, what, why. And so, but yeah, you want, you're going to give some credibility to the that informant. leads me to this to part two yeah. of the question. I'm only saying part two because it's okay. a whole new question. Okay. But <laughs> this is part two, subsection one. She's just waiting to jump in. But here. I got you guys here. I called this. I called this. 
<laughs> no, you don't. No, you Sarah, don't. Sarah's like, I'm out of here. I called. I called you I'm guys. Leaving. Here. I'm hungry. Hey, I have the talking. Oh, Selena's out too. <laughs> Sorry. I got you. Eagle-headed here. stick. Wow, you have to like, like con a... people into. You ever notice they make that? Oh. Oh. That's like not even eagle. Eagles don't that, even make that sound. It's not even an eagle. <laughs> oh, wow. This guy is my jumped on medicine object. Let's get oh, let's get okay. the question oh. two subsection B okay. part, part A. Two? Part two? <laughs> um, this was this actually got brought up. Like the way I was raised to cite information was it's a say Marty told me about the Pease family history. So then I said I learned about the Pease family from Marty, who that who who learned it from so and so. And then you start telling your story, right? But you say his yeah. name. You don't mm-hmm. say, I learned it from consultant one. Or you don't give him a fake name. You ever seen researchers give people fake names? A pseudonym? Is yeah. that what that's called? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's what Is it's it to for, protect their identity? It's counter to everything I've been taught. So like in my thesis, I said, Elias goes ahead, told me this. It would I would feel like it's wrong of me not to, if to me to say some dude told me this. That's rude. I think it's completely rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's mm-hmm. like no, Elias told it's me and Elias told- learned it from his dad, Cardi, you know, and like so forth and so on. Like you that's kind of how you do it. That's how I was taught. So that actually got brought up in in some of the office sessions I had with my advisors and stuff and and they're like, well, are you sure you want to use their hmm. names? And I'm like, where's all these myths like coming from that Indians don't like their names being said or like you can't look at me in the eyes? Or, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. What <laughs> like, what is- I still <laughs> yeah. don't do that. I never, I never do it. Yeah, don't look at him. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look away. Like, oh yeah, you don't stare someone down, right? But anyway, yeah. I just I just what do you guys think? Should you say the person's name? Yay or nay? Rubber stamp, yes, deny stamp. Yeah, you know, I think yes myself, but if unless the the the, the person specifically says, but don't tell anybody that I told you that. Yeah, you've heard that. I don't before. use them. I don't use yeah, them yeah. then. <laughs> but what if they tell yeah. you it's really good, but you just, they just don't want people to know that that was yeah. their experience. I don't use it. Or what if, yeah. or what yeah, if it's tied to that uh, notion we've been talking about where they don't want to say, oh, since I said it, it's the truth. Or since I said it, it's the right story. So maybe some people don't want yeah. their name used because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we don't brag about ourselves. Maybe that's tied into it. Because I've I've read like McCleary's book on mm-hmm. the, the stars we know. He uses pseudonyms. Um, and so I use the book in my class to talk mm. about crow stories. And that's the kind of the impression I got. So the people who told those stories in that book uh, don't maybe get ridiculed or or uh, argue about it. But that's interesting because McCleary does, um, he puts one story, but then he'll have two examples of how a story is told differently. So one example has some details that the second story doesn't, or there's kind of a, a thing 
somebody else is responsible for something in the other story. So in that sense, there is sometimes disagreements in cultural stories and things, for example. And so maybe that's also another part of why pseudonyms are used. And I'm not sure, um, like Shandine said, if the elder or whoever is talking to you requests not to have their name not used, then of course do it. But I, I also agree. I also agree with you, Aaron, about how if you're presenting the information, then it's good for you to not be bragging like you know this. You tell everybody who you got this information from. So it's kind of goes both ways for me too. So it's con- conf- I'm confused again. <laughs> But that's... A lot of times I start talking, and then at the end of it, I don't, I don't know what happened. Did, There's no answer. Did two minutes go by, or have I been talking for thirty minutes? Did, Marty's did, Marty fried his hard drive. Did I just, did I just see a UFO, or why did my dog and me switch seats in the car? The dog wasn't driving before, and it's three hours later. You've had a vision. Uh... What was that yeah. on Thunderheart? It's like um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just, just had, had a vision. vision. It's like <laughs> this is what it reminds me of. <clears throat> reminds me of like a. It reminds me of like like someone who's really good at bead work, you know. And they beat something for somebody, and they say, "But don't tell anybody I beaded this for you." And they do that because they don't want to get asked by hundreds of people, "Can you bead this, this, and this for me?" They like they want to they want to have some uh, some anonymity so they don't get bombarded with more orders. So I can see that in in one way, and I and I know an individual like that who has that request of me says, "Don't tell anybody that I did this or where I'm at or what I'm doing because they kind of don't want to be bothered." Mm-hmm. But that's I I get it because when you present something, you want to have some credibility behind it, and if you're if if your credibility might come into doubt, you want to have some backing. Say, well, this person told me this. So if you want to argue with me about it, don't argue with me about it. Argue with I always them worry about, about like, if we can change people's names, then why don't you just make stuff up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gosh. yeah, yeah. And that's and that's that's the we danger with with the an, an elder once told me. Then they then you then you give some sage words about it, and it could be really your own thoughts. You're just prefacing it with something you, that you yeah, might yeah you could think you it could kind of use credibility. The, and I was once told this, and then you just insert or your own yeah, whatever you whatever want. you want. And to me, that's like I feel like people can verify my yeah. work if I say this story was told to me by so and so who learned mm-hmm. it, from, who was told it by so and so. Now. Also, there, there's this part. When I want someone reading my work, I want them to feel like they're learning from the sources I learned from, not learn from me. Right. Yeah. Well, you're just that a sounds conduit very righteous yeah. deal, though. <laughs> Aaron, you're just a conduit just for the Lord. You're the oracle. <laughs> Want some cookies? I'm merely the vessel which carries the word. <laughs> <laughs> and my hand is the sword. <laughs> yeah. I'll put myself on mute. <laughs> Aaron, you're merely a conduit. 
Well, thank you. <laughs> nothing nothing more, more. Nothing less. Nothing more. <laughs> but a large <laughs> conduit. Oh, <yeah>. <laughs> a <laughs> wide orifice. <laughs> A wide orifice of knowledge. Oh, jeez. Oh, you said it twice now. It's going in. It's staying in. That might be one of those words. Aaron's the orifice. You know how you did those laughing tracks with us? You should do a thing where we take, like, say, like, uh, Selena talks for a minute, 30 seconds, right? Maybe 30 seconds. And as she's talking, you take out like a 10 second piece and then you put random bleeps in it. And then replay it back to us, and we'll just see what it what it sounds like. Like every time she says um, uh, uh, methodology or Crow Indian, you bleep it. Then I went. <laughs> and you should all go to bleep. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work Just on that. Fun, you know, something fun okay. for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. all of our people be- reaping the <laughs> benefits of the conduits here. Yeah. While, <laughs> and while we're off subject, by the way, I think uh, we, we ought to give some props to Sean Dean Pete for organizing these and putting them together, editing editing them. So thanks a lot, Sean Dean. I'm oh. just a conduit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just channeling your guys' strength, but thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah no, I say it to people thank you. all the time. I'm like, well, they'll say, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I just turned my computer on. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't do, I don't do anything, man. I, I'm not, not crazy. You know what I think you do? I coalesce. Because you also coalesce. We got, we're just, co- co- we're yeah. just a couple of conduits coalescing. <laughs> Conduits and orifices. Quit saying orifices. (laughs) I know, it's making me like, oh, God. What's wrong with that word? (laughs) Okay, okay. No more saying orifice. You're saying it. (laughs) (laughs) You knocked Marty out. Marty left. Well, okay, so this is the deal. You guys talked about a number of really important things related to how we may or may not structure a uh, set of suggestions for future work labeled as indigenous research or a methodological approach grounded in uh, in indigenous understanding. Um, but it, is it is this the way? Is this the way? And that's the question I had for Kamiya because... I think Kamiya, you you completed a master's, yes. yes, and yours is probably unique among all of ours because you didn't have to defend your work orally in an oral defense. Is that right. correct? It was. It was completely yeah, written. Yeah, so um, it was different because I um, I'd finished my my program i'd finished all my courses and the only piece that was left was the writing and that was when i started teaching and um i had a pretty mm-hmm. cool advisor who um supported what i was doing and so she gave me a lot of room to to try and think about these things and and figure out what was going to be useful to me 
Um, I didn't really have any interest yeah. in writing another paper at that point because I'd done that. <laughs> and right. Um, <laughs> so I, I wanted yeah. to, to find something that um, would would work for me like would actually do something yeah. and it took a while. It took quite a while. Um, and she had several opportunities for, for me to work with, um, other teachers and, um, it actually, the, the project, um, went over the course of a couple of years, actually. Um, yeah. And, and so that was really different. Um, but like I said, the advisors were, were, um, talking through the ideas with me and they knew what I was working on and how I was doing it. So when I finally just, all right, let's finish this so I can get a degree. Um, I wrote it up and um, kind of the unique part of that was that, sure, I'd been talking with my family about the stuff I was doing, but when I wrote that, that was the first time I'd had them read anything I'd written. And so, yeah, that really? first time. And so their response, like I was nervous as hell, um, but, <laughs> you know, they, they seemed to to catch on right away and to think that, um, it made sense that it was not, um, some kind of ridiculous academic thing that, you know, they, they liked it. So that was a lot of reassurance to me. And then, so I, I wrote it, I submitted it and then, um, I had to go into Missoula and meet with my advisors and we had dinner and talked about mm. like some of the details of it. And I was waiting for like that yeah. defense where it's the, the kind of scrutiny or I'm supposed to do some kind of uh, formal presentation. And the end of the night, I'm like, am I supposed to be doing something? Like, no, you did it. It's done. This was it. Um, so <laughs> that was pretty anticlimactic yeah, yeah it's okay well cool all right and then again it was kind of like one of those things where <laughs> uh, well i really enjoyed visiting with them but what what's the i don't know um maybe if i was looking for some kind of accountability or i was looking for something that seemed to be like a formal vouching of yeah this isn't you sitting in your office drinking too much coffee kind of thinking right <laughs> and and i didn't really get any of that but so my um it's a really long story sorry um it was all about teaching right <laughs> teaching and so it was supposed to be useful um really what was the validation of that project was um the stuff i was doing in class and honestly like half the time i don't know was it working like i don't know whether they care or whatever but um yeah the thing that kind of like okay i can do this 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 works is um my classes i noticed that 
um, they were starting to heckle me, right? Like teasing me and engaging in that kind of conversation. And I think, okay, they're teasing me and it could be kind of like a little bit embarrassing, but mostly it's, they're actually thinking about this and they're thinking about it in a way that, um, requires them to like, all right, if you're so smart and if that's the way it works, then what about this? Like, oh yeah. All right. You're ahead. Go with that. Do that then. Right. So yeah, a really different situation, but, um, yeah, again, I mean, trying to like pull out those ideas that you're talking about in terms of like the audience, my audience was by and large students and they provided that accountability because they would be mean with their teasing or they would just not pay attention. Right. They would turn off. Um, and that gave me that. And, you know, if we're all talking about this and interested and having a good time and laughing about it and they could, notice the things that were ridiculous then all right sounds good yeah pretty interesting experience i think everybody uh here seems like they've had a little different take on uh the same thing which is disseminating academic information um but really you know what what we're trying to do is i i don't know if we're trying to do this or if we even want to do this but suggest a different way everything everything we've talked about here is a a writing product Mm -hmm. right a product written in english well of course it is because that's the the language we were all raised in at least that's as far as i know and um we're we're it's structured in a very familiar format just just the fact that we all understand what a literature review is where it goes we can have a discussion about that says we're 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 ingrained we're we're ingrained in this idea of how research is conducted and written up but is there a different way is there a new way we can do this i seen a verbal yes from selena how how do we so, do this um let's let's okay. wait hold on one second Okay, no. you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, well, I actually don't go ahead. know how to was, do it, I was gonna... but I, so, um, okay. Sean, oh, I keep name dropping people. Anyways, one of the faculty in we'll film. Do Drop the name. <laughs> What's her name, Marty? Sean O'Connor? Or Sean, Sean O'Brien. O'Brien? Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien. Yeah, Sean O'Brien. Um, contacted, well, she's holding a class that um, she's teaching students who are doing research to create film versus a dissertation. So I think, you know, before everybody buys into it, you'll still create a dissertation, but you'll, it'll, it'll accompany with a, you'll, it'll be accompanied with a film. And so when she first approached Mm. me about that, I thought it would be really cool because I think somebody um, from my, somebody would rather listen to a short, like, I don't know, digital story about my research and my findings versus read, 160 whatever pages of a dissertation Mm -hmm. and so i i think that's one way that 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 it can start to look different um and yeah Yeah. i'll tell you when i'm done with it if it really even works but (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh you're gonna do it you're gonna do it Oh, okay. you're taking that class. I'm not going to take the class. I'm just going to work with. Oh, yeah. I'm going to work with her, or mainly Antonio, 
and we're gonna and she was thinking of film like an actual like I don't know I don't know what a length of a film is and I was like no I'm thinking more of yeah feature a length? length film no I'm just kidding <laughs> like a documentary and I was thinking more of like a five to ten minute type you know, digital story kind of thing. So anyway, well, I thought, thought you're going to say a five to 10 episode. Oh, but yeah. the next, yeah. Shock. Yeah, mockumentary. <laughs> no. A mockumentary. A mockumentary for sure. <laughs> mockumentary. <laughs> Where the camera's moving. Wait, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cinema verite. Oh man. Selena, you let put me right in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was oh, feeling it. Feeling it. Ken Burns. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. Let's listen to this next song and let's keep this conversation going because this is important. And I don't know if you guys see the pencil I'm shaking at you guys. That's authority. That's an authority. Oh, this is important. We're going to continue it. Okay, let's listen. Ready? Here we go. So that's the the parade song, one of many parade songs that existed. And uh, um, there, there's really a, a number of different reasons why uh, a person in the, in the olden days, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, one of those, there was many different reasons why a person would engage in a parade or initiate a parade through the camp. Uh, one of the reasons was perhaps uh, uh, warriors returning from a raid or a war. Maybe a, a warrior wants to tell his deeds, so he'll start a parade up. Maybe somebody got married and they want to affirm that with the camp. Or maybe they were going to celebrate the war deeds, so there was many reasons why the parades would be would be held, and there was many different types of songs. This was one type of song for the, uh, I think it was a evening ride song where they just kind of have a good time, just to enjoy their evening and get on their horses and parade around camp. Oftentimes, you'd get you'd get uh, married. A married woman jumping on the horse of an unmarried man just to tease around, you know, it, it's just a, a chance to have a good time and and uh, and play around. 
sometimes even when they were leaving their camp, going on to a hunt, they'd all kind of parade out of camp like that, kind of going on a dangerous journey. So served many, many different purposes. <clears throat> and um, this song then kind of reminds me, or even all these different types of parades and parade songs, uh, reminds me that, you know, there's many different ways in which we can inform our local communities, even our academic communities of our of our research and how we've, you know, we've adopted not by choice, but we've adopted this way of uh, disseminating what we know and what we do because that's the way that academics wants it. They want, they want a written document in a certain structure and they want a, a oral defense and um, a, a dissertation published. And maybe if you're lucky enough, a couple journal articles published in uh, well-known uh, journals. But the question I have, or really the the, the dialogue I, I want to get started, really centers around some talks that we've had um, at the center about coming up with a different a different way, a different way of um, of communicating our research, whether it's written or whether it's um, uh, presented in a in a different fashion. And Selena came up with a, an example of a of a digital product, a movie clip or a, a movie of some sort. I'm wondering if um, anybody wants to comment on some other ways in which you think we can emulate a way that would one bring back some traditional manner of um of sharing knowledge um are we too deep are we too deep in it can we even change it no i don't think we're too oh, i don't think we're too deep what do you mean too deep like are, are we so accustomed to this academic way if 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 it that that we're we're ex if we as a yeah. people can learn academics anyway, there's no doubt in my mind we can change it to fit us. How do we do it then? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's like somebody saying, "Well, anything's possible." Oh yeah, well that's you know, possible. You How do you know it's not possible? A good try, a good honest try, <laughs> and you don't have no in your heart. You can accomplish anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, hey, right, earlier, right, right. Earlier I said to Cami, I the phrase, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't you pull yourself down if you pulled your bootstraps? It would pull yourself down. Yeah, you'd be in a little ball. <laughs> <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So if you were laying down and you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, your legs would be in the air or your feet. Yeah, the physics of that doesn't make sense. Unless your bootstraps on your back. What? What, <laughs> what I don't in know. the world? I don't know. I don't so know what's song, going on here. Song is used to verify the works of man quite a bit, whether it's the accomplishments in love, the accomplishments in battle, things that someone has done. Mm -hmm. uh, my great-grandfather, Samson Burdenground's song says, um, uh, you who had never owned a, an old horse, 
it says those yeah. words in there and it's kind of a homage to him always having good horses right and Susie old Kyle's yes. song talks about her going places and speaking to people it's a it's acknowledging the accomplishment yeah. of an individual but verif- verifying accomplishment is done by the public not by the individual like I I can't go yeah. to someone and say Hey, make a song about me. <laughs> Even just saying that right there sounds funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back to, I think, yeah, that episode is. one, two, or maybe even three when I talked about that old lady from prior. Oh, John's grandma, Selena. Yep. They made that song about her where she had won uh, a deed during a mock battle. So they acknowledged it by composing a song about her. And that song is still sung today as a victory song, you know. And um, it's a non-war mm-hmm. exploit, but it's of the same. They considered it at that time to be uh, a legitimate deed. So they, they speak about her. She was riding a gray horse, and that song speaks about her riding a gray horse. But... Um, so there's ways to acknowledge, you know. So I think in order to change yeah. the academic system to fit us, we first have to change how we acknowledge the work that we do. How do we do that in like a culturally healthy manner? Once we figure that out, then we'll be able yeah. to – that kind of changes intent, right? Because if we know – if every tribal right. scholar knew that his mom or his aunt, especially that mean auntie, you know, was going to read his work or her work. Yeah. That scholar might approach their work differently. Yes. So the verification of accomplishment, that has to happen first. You know, I, at at least the way I'm thinking right now on a Wednesday night, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. You know, and we've seen that demonstrated pretty clearly that there was a difference in, what we thought we were um, or our, our demeanor when we were presenting, when we knew that community members or family members were in the crowd. Yeah. You know, that might be a, a good first step. Um, but to enter in things like the song and um, reverting back to some traditional practice, that seems like that's something that's got to happen in the community first, because how can we ask ask of it of academics to change even tribal college academics if the community is not even how about this let's uh let's uh put on a um a scalp dance here in arley to acknowledge our award our nsf award three and a half million dollars ain't nothing to be you know that's a lot of money that's a major accomplishment for the feds to say let's let's hand this over to these clumsy little Indian kids and see what they come up with, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) I I don't consider myself clumsy, but uh, I know what you mean. Of course you wouldn't consider yourself clumsy. (laughs) I do though. (laughs) I consider you clumsy. No, (laughs) Um, you know, I I think that'd be, no, that's, that's a good idea. And that's a good way to propagate a way that's been started and to find a, 
a venue and a purpose again. And I can see that occurring across many other different tribal communities, but tapping into the people that know and who would say, yes, that's probably a worthy thing to do. That can be a kind of difficult. Um, yeah. But if we, if we had, but I mean, it's not impossible. It's just, you just got to do and it. Nothing's it's probably, impossible. It's probably being done. We're just, because it's not a, a structure that we would, that you would see in academia. We're not identifying it as that. I mean, I think we're probably all individually doing that on a different level with the way we normally um, carry ourselves in our community. So the way you communicate with what you're doing at school or what you learned or, you know, it's probably happening. It's just not formalized, I guess. But the other thing that came to mind is I think really bridging that gap of what you're doing in – I'm just going to give an example. So I talked to my dad probably – anywhere from three to seven times a week. And every time we, throughout the whole part of my, or the whole um, doctoral program, I probably talked about what I was doing in my classes, in my research, in, you know, all of that academic stuff. I probably talked about it like maybe a handful of times. And if we start integrating those, what we're actually learning, what we're, um, we're applying, how we're understanding things. Like if we start just, bringing those um, ideas into those into the conversations of people and with people in our families. I think that's one way to start like figuring out how we are going to disseminate this to our, to our communities. Because, you know, as soon as I tell my dad, Oh, I did this, or I learned this, he's like, Oh, you should tell so-and-so or, you know, like he gives me ideas of what I need to yeah. do to either find out more or, um, you know, give more information or whatever. So, yeah. Those are just some initial thoughts with that yeah. question. And so I bet some of those were uh, the, some of the most helpful things in your research. Yep. I bet. Yep. You know, us, yeah. us Indians were always kind of late, you know, on things. Especially like, imagine like uh, your grandpa, Selena, like doing this work and your grandpa still being here. Philip was your grandpa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that would be yep. awesome. So, be we, but we can make it better, you know, by figuring out so people don't make those mistakes where they don't miss those opportunities. Cause I think about times where I'm doing work now and I wish like, man, if my grandfather was here, you know, I could bounce ideas off and, him yep. and, yep. and he's, he's not, but I would hate for my kids to have that be a regret to being the late doing it late, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe that should be part. I don't know how you do that, how you do all this research and, uh, for have the foresight to see where you can have those moments of like regret in your work because unlike a lot of other um uh fields i think tribal scholars we, we're all inherent like preservationists right so we kind of do aspects of work that contribute to the preservation of our culture so um so it's like meaningful in a sense like we feel like it contributes to our own people so that's why like I think yeah. I think yeah. uh, it's that's a little bit different. I'm not sure, you know, but it just made me think of that when Selena was talking because that would have been awesome, right? But we don't want our kids to go through that to be like they were too late, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 So it seems like there's like an, an incremental step that we have to take 
um, whether it's simultaneous or whether it's uh, disjointed steps, but there's work that has to be done in the community to normalize first the idea of the use of songs in particular instances. Of course, that's not the same everywhere. I'm sure it's different, you know, in different reservations that you go to in tribal communities. There's probably a pretty intact structure of song use and um but then to to blend that with this academic process there's uh there's some some pretty key steps that need to take place and and you guys mentioned some really important ones like opening it up to a wider audience so you can feel some validation from your own communities um opening it up so you can have experts in your own communities uh see the work you're doing the the one that I'm I really struggle with is how, how is there is there and do we even want to restructure the way in which we write up our research? Is is that a necessity or do we just kind of roll with what we got for now and see how that changes as we integrate some of these other processes into that research structure? I mean, I guess my first thought about that is that if we're changing who we're talking to, then we need to change the way we or if we're if we're changing um who our audience is then that's going to change our message. It just does. Um, you know, our audience has expectations. So if we're writing these, um, these academic papers and we're imagining that it's going to be published in a journal that um, academics read, we know their expectations. And so in some ways we conform to that. We decide, all right, this is how how we're going to meet those expectations so that they will understand what we want them to. And if we decide that that's not who we're, who we're interested in communicating with, and we try to communicate in the same way, it's just weird. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess it just, that, that main shift, if we shift our audience, it's got to, it's, got to influence everything else right Um, so so it has to change it has to change in some way but how that's the big question that i'm always Um, wondering how how do we change that all right is it written is it is it oral i mean we've talked about videos we've done we've done presentations all of it i think you cast a wide you have to mm-hmm. cast a wide net. So if the hope and the belief is that yeah. Indian people are going to read our work, we have to have it available in all mm-hmm. formats and all avenues. Yeah. Right. right. And two, I mean, I guess I'm just thinking about, so we do a lot of this this writing because that's an academic expectation, right? You publish um, to promote right. that, and that's a really kind of academic thing. But if we're just trying to communicate with, a community, I mean, that's different. And I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where writing fits in with that. I mean, I'm sure that there are ways that that would be useful, but it, yeah. And now we're in a weird situation where we can't get together, but that seems to be those conversations, right? Just having um time to be around people and to talk about those things and to talk about this random stuff that we talk about too along the way um (laughs) i mean 
it gets pretty random. Yeah, yes. Somehow that seems like it. You get people to listen to you. Um, I mean, because mm-hmm. most of the time, so with something like this, right, a podcast, you've got just a minute or a couple of minutes to to get your point in, to say what you want to say, and then like you got to keep moving. Yeah. You got to whatever um, to to hold that attention. And yeah, uh, that's weird too. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know, what, how yeah. can that possibly replace um, hanging out with people for like an afternoon and conversation that gets picked up yeah. and passed on yeah. to somebody else? And you go, you know, like that's, that's, yeah not going to be replaced by writing. I don't Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. So really evaluating what, what a community or tribe's expectations are would be an important first step to, to uh, prescribing something that a person would want to do with their research. Mm -hmm. Because I think each, each tribal group might have different expectations depending on the level of, of, of tr- loss of traditions or I don't even know if that even comes into play, but I, I just don't know. Maybe you got a super techie reservation, you know, and they want to, they want to just a s- succinct soundbite. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what's going a on. Super out there. techie reservation. Uh, super techie res. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. A lot, a lot to think about, a lot of work to do. Um, Marty or Selena, do you have any any other thoughts on that? Before my dissertation, I would have said, yeah, let's just get rid, rid of the writing part of it and let's just disseminate our <laughs> our findings or whatever orally. But really, writing was an yeah. important piece of the process of me figuring out what I needed to present. Because it was funny because every time I talked to somebody initially, I would talk about a different thing, just depending on you know what, what was yeah. on my mind at that time. But really, the writing process was important for me to identify what was important throughout the whole process, yeah. not just what I was working on that day. Um. So I think there is still a place for writing in that process, but just how, and some people want to read, you know, some people would write, that's how they learn. That's how they process things yeah. is by reading it. And so instead of just having this one way of disseminating the information, I mean, it, that's, I think that's one of the other um, ideas we need to think about is what are other ways? I mean, we all, we've all done it already because we've defended or presented our, research more than once in different depending on the venue it looked different right so i mean maybe for us that's part Mm -hmm. of the process is in this place this is how we present it in this place this is how we present it yeah i see that is pretty important the written piece can be a, a good tool marty what do you what do you think any last thoughts um i think uh when we're talking about how our research is going to get out to the public and potentially our own tribe. And I think a lot of us, hopefully our own tribe would want to um, see what we're up to, see what we're researching. And I know we're all kind of in a little bit different disciplines here and 
in the podcast, all the participants. Um, but I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I apologize if if you don't want me speaking for you, but I think it's kind of safe <laughs> to say that all what we're doing, we're indigenous people, we're natives, and we want to represent our people well. And ultimately, when what we're researching, I think, and this is where you can correct me or you don't want me speaking for you, but um, I think all of us, our goal is ultimately we want to some way improve people's lives, improve, improve our own tribe's uh, lives. And so if you guys agree with me, what do you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just a conduit, man. First, apology not accepted. Just... Apology not accepted. Just, Just a conduit. Yeah, the conduit. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think... No, Go I was, I was just going to say, up, I'd like right. to think that the work I do contributes some way. I don't know. I don't know how, but I'd like to think it's a positive um, contribution to, to my people. Yeah. Well, and then, and like I tell people all the time, my work is focused mainly on the crow, but I would like to think that if a tribe, another person uh, from a different tribe reads it, it should spark maybe a way they could conduct research or they can say, hey, I have something yeah. comparable I'm gonna go in the steps that he did because it 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 he's telling something that makes sense to me or saying something that makes sense to me. So I would like to because I know that I've read papers from other tribal people and although it wasn't my tribe at all and, and it was of great interest to me because of how they conducted their work and and I would pick things out of that that, that would help me. So yeah, I'd like to think, man. Yeah, uh, you want to feel like you're helping, you know. I think I think that's the yeah. need, but again, we can always do better, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would share that same sentiment, you know. And I, I've met some scholars who that's that's not their goal, you know. They just they're they're out to make a name for themselves and that they're not interested in, in in helping their communities at all. And and oftentimes it's it's about, you know, putting a front on that that's what they want to do, but ultimately you can you understand their intention is more to build their own name and sell books, I guess. I don't know. That's just, that's just a very critical. Who buys books, man? I, I know. Who does? Or reads them. Or maybe just buys them and not read them. Jokes. <laughs> that's, that's me Selena's right here. Like, I, I, buy a, I, I buy books and, but. And I got a book. I'm going to book membership. Actually, I do have a book membership at Barnes and Noble. Well, I did. It expired. Look at Marty showing off his books. We were competing. Oh, hey, I've got this book. I know. I, I won. Has anybody ever read um, Carlos Cans? How do you say that? Castaneda. Castaneda. Teachings of Don Juan. A yaki. A yaki way of knowledge. I have a. I have <laughs> an old CD of yaki. Uh, bird. Dance songs. I think it's Yaki. Oh, yeah. It's Yaki, but I can't remember. Deer Dance. Maybe it's Deer Dance. Deer Dance. Yeah, That'd be interesting. I think, think Selena's well, background okay, let's is do this. Uh, the opposite side of Marty's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, really? Wow. Right? Is that, that Prior Creek? Is that up yep. Prior Creek? That's, that is... Oh my gosh! Just because we're being recorded, I don't know what creek. It's not Prior Creek. Lost Creek. Lost Creek. Lost oh, Creek. Oh, that was fun up there, huh, Marty? Remember them Lost Creek days? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we did an archaeology <laughs> survey crazy on, guys. on the top of Lost Creek. And it was like so right there. nuts. We were in the timber. So we were actually, I think, opposite of you, of where that picture's taken. We're on the oh. opposite side of the canyon in the timber. And awesome. it was something else. Yeah. It was a bit hairy. <laughs> Did you guys write about it? Or how are you going to disseminate that information? I, I, I there you go. Get them. Get them. Uh, yeah. I've never seen it. Selena's never seen it. Marty's probably seen it. You're not doing your job, man. I'm all about. I'm all about. Oh, my what is staff, that? Yo. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, and selling yeah. books. <laughs> I had a guy tell me one time that it, I was interviewing a guy. I'll, I'll keep his name out of this, and he said, um, "You're just gonna take my Say knowledge and get rich." And I was thinking, man, part of me, part of me wanted to say like, dude, nobody buys books, like, <laughs> let alone like some obscure crow book. The people who will buy the book, it's going to be like my aunt, my grandma, and then now every other crow is going to want it for yeah, free. Yeah. So, Yeah. Hey, she send me a yeah, PDF of that book. I don't need, I don't need like the fancy one, bro. I don't need the fancy one, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, when's the uh, last time you went man. book shopping that was not for school or for work? Oh, I know. I know. Ne- rarely. Yeah. Audience rarely. is pretty quiet now, isn't Somebody, it? Somebody I do all the time. They are, yeah. <laughs> I go to, any any fiction readers in the in the in the group? Fiction? No. Let's see. <laughs> fiction readers. Yes. I've read fiction. The, what? No, Louis Lamar, just the American history book. Boom! Oh, <laughs> oh whoa! Yes, you're welcome. Yes, get them. Get them. Get them. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Just an interesting conversation. We didn't get very far. We got some great ideas. We got to start small. We got to infiltrate the community with some good things. And we, it sounds like we had to really take a shotgun scatter approach. Go ahead. What did you say? A good sting. Stings the nostrils. Yes. A good sting. We got to sting the community. (laughs) Inject the murder hornets. (laughs) (laughs) The murder hornet. Yeah. A shotgun approach just to see what works, I think. And I've had this idea that I, I should be able to, I should be able to wrap academic information into something that's consumable in many different ways into the community. If I can't do that, I should never say that I've done indigenous research and I should never say I've done an indigenous research methodological approach unless one in four people can say, oh yeah, I know what he did and this is what he did. I don't know. That might be pretty hard in larger communities, but I don't know. It's feasible. That's my thoughts feasible let's do it we, we're gonna have to do it with our research that we do in the center so it'll be a good testing uh, a, a testing zone what do you call it what do you call it what is it called um you know when they shoot shells into a field bombs what is it called proving a proving field i don't know let's get out of here we're done <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode. And to learn more, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at IRCSKC. You can find us also on Facebook and YouTube by searching SKC Indigenous Research Center. 
You can also visit our website at irc.skc.edu. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our discussions on Indigenous research, Indigenous research methodologies, and Indigenous worldviews. <laughs> yeah, I think we established <laughs> early on. <laughs>